Psalm 148, 149, and 150 is where we were at today. Uh, we're gonna, we already heard Psalm 149 read and Psalm 150 read and prayed over by Pastor Matt. Thank you, Pastor Matt. And uh, so I'm going to read Psalm 148 here in just one second in its entirety, and then we'll do our best to preach selected verses out of those in one constant theme of praise. So I preached on Psalm 1, I preached through Psalm 1 on October 22nd, 2017. By my count, from what I could see in my archives, uh, that was 37 sermons. We, I preached 37 sermons in Psalms, spanning about 40% of the total number of verses in the Psalter. I do love preaching as much, maybe more, than I love singing, which is saying something because I really love singing. But most of all, I love the Lord and I love this church family. So it's been a beautiful journey to be preaching through the Psalms with you. I'm thankful to Pastor Matt for having a heart for sharing the pulpit and loving preachers of all types. If you are a member of our church and you aspire to preach, you should know that you've landed in a good place for that. You should let us know if you aspire to preach. This church has a history of nurturing and producing good preachers. And we want to continue to carry that torch uh, along. So we're thankful. I'm thankful for all the opportunities. I'm thankful to have journeyed through the Psalms with you. And uh, I don't quite, I'm not quite landed exactly where I'm going to go next, but I've got some ideas. Okay? Pray for me in that. We've read, like I said, we read Psalm 149, 150. We're going to read Psalm 148. And it says this Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens, praise Him from the heights, praise Him all His angels, praise Him all His hosts, praise Him sun and moon, praise Him all you shining stars, praise Him you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for He commanded and they were created, and He established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth. You great sea creatures and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and mist, stormy wind, fulfilling His word, mountains, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, beasts and all livestock, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted, His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all of his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word and build up his saints. Amen. So glad to be in a church that reads God's word and prays God's word and sings God's word. It's a blessing. So today I want to, from these three psalms, I want to answer a couple questions. Who, excuse me, what, who, why, how, when, where? What, who, why, how, when, where of praise? What is praise? Who praises and who is worthy of praise? Why do we praise? And then how, when, and where do we praise? Okay, so those again. What is praise? Who praises and who is worthy of it? Why do we praise? How, when, where do we praise? So first of all, what is praise? Praise is the truthful acknowledgement of the righteous acts of another. The truthful acknowledgement, not flattery. Flattery would be untruthful acknowledgement, right? That would be 
That would be lying, really, flattery. This is not flattery. Praise is the truthful acknowledgement of the righteous acts of another. It is first cousins with thankfulness. It is assigning worth and dignity in something or someone in our hearts and minds because of their actions or attributes. You can and should praise your wife or your husband. You should praise your kids. Praise is a powerful tool. I, have, I, I just recently started a wrestling academy for little guys, right? It's called Ironman Wrestling Academy, and every week we have a wrestler of the week, okay? And all it is is I went to Walmart and bought a $10 WWE plastic belt, wrestling belt. And I, if a kid throughout the night does something exceptional, we re- I recognize him when we get a break. I give him the belt, and we put him against the wall, and we take a picture of it and post it on Facebook. And you would think that when we did that, they are the featherweight champion of the world, right? That is a real belt. And all it takes is a little bit of praise. I can take a kid from being discouraged and point out one thing he does well and put him against the wall with a plastic belt and call him wrestler of the week and just praise him a little bit. And he flowers. Praise is a powerful tool. Many of you wrote words to me and many others in Christmas cards giving praise. It's good. It builds up. The Hebrew word for praise is hallel. Hallel, okay, it's, it's guttural, Hallel, right, with the H, H-A, it would be transliterated, H-A-L-L-E-L, a juicy, medium-rare steak is worthy of Hallel, praise, ultrasound pictures of an expectant mother are praiseworthy, Christmas morning with cinnamon rolls and loved ones, Hallel, good, praiseworthy. A beautiful piece of piano music played with grace and skill. Neck hugs. Sorry. Neck hugs and I love you's from grandmas are halal. They're good. The clumsiness of a puppy. It's funny and it's good. A warm fireplace on a cold night is halal. The look in the, eye, in the eye of a love-struck bride as she walks with her father towards her groom is good. It's very good. It's halal. It's praiseworthy. The Hebrew word for praise is all over these three psalms. Look at it. It says it over and over and over again. Halal, 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 halal. Everywhere you see the word praise in these three passages, it is that word. And who does the praising? Who does this praising? According to these psalms, if you look at Psalm 148, the one we just read, 11 through 12, which, by the way, all creatures of our God and King, St. Francis of Assisi wrote that hymn. It was originally a poem, and it was modernized, and it's the form we have now, all creatures of our God and King, based Psalm 145 and then Psalm 148 are the two passages that he used in writing that poem. And I love that psalm because it's, it's like, the, like the choir conductor. Rap, rap, rap. He, and he's saying, everyone join in Hallel, right? Praise. Okay? And he says, mountains and hills and rocks and valleys and birds and fish and creeping things and all the redeemed. 
bowed by his blood, sing. And he's bringing the whole choir, the whole orchestra in. And that's what this psalm is doing as well. So who does the praising? According to the psalms and the testimony of the rest of the scriptures, angels praise. Angels praise. The sun, moon, and stars, and mountains, and birds, and creeping things. But most importantly, humans. Praise. Kings of the earth. Verse 11. Psalm 148. Kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and maidens together, old men and children. Hallel. Praise. Psalm 149, verses 2 and 3, Let Israel be glad in his maker. Let the children of Zion rejoice in their king. Let them praise his name with dancing, making melody melody to him with tambourine and with lyre. We are seemingly humans. When I say we, I mean humans. We are seemingly uniquely gifted at praise, at giving praise. Like a, like a good hunting dog is trained to seek and make known a specific thing that he is trained to seek. We are born with the burning, insatiable desire to seek the good and the pleasurable and beautiful and not just enjoy it, but make sure that everybody else around us knows how much we're enjoying it. And then we want to invite other people to join in that Hallel as well. That's why, why Google reviews work. We, want it, we, we like it. It's why social media works. We're all, all, all the time seeking out things that are praiseworthy and, and giving praise to it, not just in our own hearts, but we want to see it made praiseworthy in the hearts of others as well. We're pre-programmed this way. But, very important distinction, the praise that is contained in these psalms takes that word, hallel, and combines it with another word and makes a wholly new significant word. Hallel, praise, is the first word, and Yahweh, the name for God, is the second word. And they smash those together, and from that we now have hallelujah. Yah, hallel and yah. Hallelujah, right? What does that sound like? Hallelujah. Which can have no other meaning. Hallelujah is a transliteration of a Hebrew word, of two Hebrew words made a compound word. It can have no other meaning than praise the Lord or praise Him with a capital H. Hallelujah. Let me just get this linguistically straight with you. That word can apply to nothing else but hallel for Yahweh. Praise for Yahweh. Any other usage of the word hallelujah is out of context. doesn't make sense. And hallelujah is completely different because hallel belongs to the created things. The category for that is, it's used other places in the scriptures to praise created things. Hallelujah exclusively belongs to God. Exclusively belongs to Yahweh. It is ascribing the worth and dignity due to God, which cannot be exhausted because there is no end to the worth dignity due to God. 
like the old hymn says, if the ink was ocean and the sky was paper and every man and woman and child on earth was an author and would use all the words of all the languages to ascribe the glory and honor due to God, we wouldn't even begin to scratch the surface of the praise that he is worthy of. Therefore, giving hallelujah is more than words. It's deeds, it's habits, it's systems of thought, it's emotions, it's all-encompassing. It involves praising with the entirety of oneself. It is otherwise known as worshipped. Worship. And nothing created is worthy of hallelujah. Now, this distinction is vital. Giving and receiving hallel praise to and from created is good. Giving and receiving hallelujah praise amongst the created is idolatry. I'm going to read Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 22. I want you to contrast it with Psalm 148 that we just read. Contrast Romans 1 with Psalm 148. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, has been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they are without excuse, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. So no hello for God. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of a mortal God for the images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up to their lusts, gave up their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped, hallelujahed, and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. And what is the relationship between these two texts? What's the relationship between Psalm 148 and Romans 1? They are what? Opposites. They are photonegatives of one another. In the psalm, all things are being called to ascribe glory and honor up the chain of command to the Creator. And in Romans, which is outlining the fall of humanity, we are giving hallelujah to birds and animals and creeping things and to mortal man. Hallelujah to everything except to the one whose name is in the Word. So who is worthy? Why? So why is this such a big deal? Who is worthy of hallelujah? So that's who praises, but who is worthy of this praise, this level of praise? Well, obviously the Creator. The Lord alone is worthy of this level and manner of praise. Psalm 148, verse 13 says, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for His name alone is exalted. His name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He is solely responsible for everything we see and experience. He is majesty or magistrate over it all. Therefore, he alone deserves hallelujah credit. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. 
Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Yahweh. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of Yahweh. All credit goes to Yahweh. Hallelujah. I like to watch the show alone. It's on the History Channel. If you haven't seen it, it's really not that complicated. It's basically what the title describes. They drop people off alone in the wilderness, and they have to try to survive. Oftentimes, when they catch a fish or trap a rabbit, these people, they're hungry, so they dance around and give thanks to the lake or to Mother Nature. Or they, 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 are, they praise the life essence of the trout. And I find myself yelling at the screen like a crazy person, saying, no, whose fish do you think that is? Who knew of that proud buck you just killed when he was yet a fawn with spots hidden in the thicket? Who commands the wind and the wave? Who knows the number of hairs on your head and how many times your stomach has growled since this morning? Is it not the Lord? Is it not the Lord alone? Maybe a little closer to the home. If you got a Christmas bonus this year, or even a, a card with a Dairy Queen gift card in it. Who deserves the praise? If you ate a Christmas ham, who deserves the praise? If your children are well, who deserves the praise? If you were persecuted this year and you grew because of it, who deserves the praise? This church is a growing and vibrant place. Who deserves the praise? Who knows our comings and goings? Who magistrates all things that come to pass on heaven and on earth? Hallelujah. Yahweh deserves the praise. The Lord wants your hallelujahs. Say that again. The Lord wants your Hallelujahs. If you came here this morning not knowing what God wants from you, He wants your praise. He wants your hallelujah. Not one hour a week, not 10% of your income. He wants you and He wants your hallelujah. But He wants it not because He isn't perfectly fine without it. He isn't sulking in heaven because of our Romans 1 behavior. He wants it Because without your praise going to Him, you are operating out of sync with the rest of the universe. Everything else knows who their king is. Angels and demons, sun and moon, trees and trout, they all know. They all know who is majestic and magistrate over them. He wants your hallelujah because it's best for you and because you need it, not Him. And hallelujah, praise the Lord, he hasn't left us to our own devices to figure it out. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He was born to die that we might not face the consequences of our rebellion and resurrected that we might get a visual of what our hallelujah leads to and sent, he sent his Holy Spirit to grab us by the scruff of our souls every time we revert back to Romans 1. 
Hallelujah. All glory be to God. Praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah. For Christmas and for Easter and for Pentecost. Why do we praise? So that was what is praise, who praises, who's worthy of praise, why do we praise? Verse 2 of Psalm 150 sums it up. Why do we praise? Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. According to His excellent greatness. For what He does and who He is. That's why we praise. For the deeds that He performs and for the perfection of His person. So the psalmist says we're to praise Him because of His mighty deeds. For for His mighty deeds, in His mighty deeds, we are to remember what He has done in His redemption for us. In the Old Testament, and specifically the Psalms, the people of God look back to the redemption of Egypt when they were brought out of the house of slavery, out of the land of bondage, or into the promised land. Or they look to the bringing of the people of God out of exile toward the end of the history of Israel. But in both of those things, they are recounting the deeds of God's redemption and His providence over them. What are the great deliverances of God in your life? I mean, those are the Israelite people, right? They corporately, continuously, as you read through the text, especially the Psalms, because the Psalms were their, their, their hymn book, their common vernacular when they came together to remember the things that God had done for them, right? But you have your own psalm book within your heart. What are the great deliverances of God in your life? The greatest deliverance of God in all of our lives who trust in Christ is that He offered in the gospel redemption that we have in Christ at the cross. Wherever you're from, whatever you've been through, whatever you're going through now, whatever you will go through, the greatest deliverance of God for all of us is the cross. So that's at the very heart and at the very center of all of our praise. That ought to be the gospel. Praise to God that he worked redemption for each one of us, specifically through the blood of Jesus on the cross. But then in every one of our lives, there are varieties of displays of his unique providence in us. Amen? Write those down. Write them down and refer to them often. God's great deliverances to you. They'll Bring praise in your heart. How he had us at the right place at the right time to meet the one that we would spend the rest of our lives with, right? How he spared us and our parents and our children at unique places and times in our lives, perhaps in dangerous illnesses or in accidents. How he spared our lives or how he enabled us to make it through the loss of a life of someone who was dear to us. God did that. Hallelujah us with blessings that we could not have anticipated or that we hadn't even prayed for. How he helped us when we endured losses that we couldn't hardly speak or couldn't hardly imagine. For these and a million other things, we are to praise God. We are to praise God for his mighty acts in redemption and in providence. And that means that there is an inexhaustible supply of things to praise God for. Can I just get your acknowledgement that in your life, the cross would be enough, right? That would be an inexhaustible praise. But he not only gives the cross, he walks with us. Amen? Praise the Lord 
that he's not only a nebulous, deistic God who's out there far away, he is a God who is near to each one of his loved ones, each one of his children, delivering them time and time and time and time again. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But we not only praise God for what he's done, we praise him for who he is. Ligon Duncan, like a grandfather in the faith, older man, preacher, Presbyterian, we want to hold that against him. Lig Duncan said in a sermon I heard once, this just stuck with me, God is not our ticket, he's our treasure. God is not our ticket, he's our treasure. God is not a means to a greater end, he is the greater end. And so the greatest thing that we can praise him for is that in his redemption, he has brought us to himself. God is not the means to a greater end, but his redemption is the means to the greater end, which is fellowship with him, which is drawing us close to his side. God isn't here to get you somewhere beyond himself that is better than he is. But in his redemption, he is getting you to himself, who is the best of all. It's the best God is the best the universe has to offer. We live in a world filled with hyperbole, right? Especially if you live in a house with preteens or teens, then your world is really filled with hyperbole. You can't turn on the TV or listen to the radio or look at the internet and not have ads pop up that are making some ridiculously hyperbolic statement about a product or a college, or a business, or activity that's going to what? Change your life. This is just life-changing. We've gotten immune to that kind of a hyperbole, right? You just roll your eyes usually. If you're smart, you do, right? But this much is true. You can't be hyperbolic about God. There's no gesture too grand for the Lord. There's no praise too much, too extra for God. There is no praise that is hyperbolic. You can't praise Him enough. The very final words of the William Plummer's commentary on the Psalms, it sits on my shelf. It's, it's not hundreds of pages deep, it's thousands of pages deep on the Psalms. William Plummer ends his entire commentary by saying, if I could come up with words that were adequate to pray the praise of God, I would say them. But I can't come up with the words that are adequate to fully do justice to what he is and what he has done. You cannot be hyperbolic about God. Why do we praise God? For his acts and for his majesty, because it is impossible to do justice to him. All the redeemed will sing with all of their might, speaking of the truth of who God is forever, and we will never exhaust his worthiness of praise nor tired of giving it to him. That's why heaven is not going to be boring. We're going to be gathered around the throne of God 10,000 years from now, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah, and you will not be bored. We will not be bored. It will not get old. Hear me this morning, because we all fall into these patterns 
of when coming to church and singing the songs and being the Christian gets boring and old. Amen? And you may not show it on the outside, but on the inside, like we've talked about this, the fire needs kindling. It needs heat. It needs to be stoked back to life. This is when we have to refer back. We have to think about the things that God has done with us. We have to meditate and dwell on who he is and what he has done. And we need to get on our knees when it's hardest to get on our knees and pray. When it's hardest to get excited is when we need the excitement the most. We seek out brothers and sisters and we stoke the fires of hallelujah in the hearts, our wretched Romans 1 hearts that just want to get excited about anything except Yahweh. Think that, I think that kindling is praise. I think it's when, we, when we're at those moments and it's tough. If you just take a moment and you just pause and you just start realizing you've forgotten who is sovereignly in control of all the things. You have forgotten who has given you the job. Who has given you the family? Who has showed you favor? Pastor Matt said a couple weeks ago, I really appreciate this. He's talked about this a lot. If, if anybody thinks well of you, it's not because of you. It's because the Lord has shown you favor in their eyes. Dwell on that. Meditate on that. That God is sovereignly in control of all the words and patterns and feelings and all the things that are in your life. And if you have anything good, it's because he has given it to you. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen? Listen, and it's, don't be, you all got really, really kind of weird when I said that. Got all awkward, like, probably shouldn't say amen to that. If that's where you're at, if, you're, if, if, the, if, the, if the fire is cold, talk to our elders. Ask for prayer. Don't let yourself just drift off away from that. Don't do it. Don't suffer alone. Talk to us. Pray for each other. Work together. That's what this is about. Coals in a fire, when they come together, they help create more heat, more combustion. Okay, we go on. Sorry. Last question. How, when, where do we praise? How, when, where do we praise? Psalm 150, verses 3 through 5. Praise him with a trumpet sound. Praise him with a lute and a harp. Praise him with a tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud, clashing cymbals. When the psalmist does here is he gives a catalog of instruments. 
And the main application of this text is not evidently that we should use a variety of instruments, although I do, I like a lot of instruments myself. I think they make pretty sound. When you look at these instruments on a little bit deeper level, they touch on various aspects of the corporate life of Israel. For instance, the trumpet blast is the blowing of a curved horn that was used to announce the year of Jubilee. It's associated with great national occasion. It was also used in battle to call forth the troops for battle. On the other hand, the timbrel and the dance is associated with great joyous victory occasions like when Miriam and the women danced at the great deliverance from the Red Sea. And then the pipe, the flute, the lyre, and the harp, these were instruments that would have been used in everyday common folks' life in Israel in common situations. Then it might have been used simply on a regular weekly basis to provide music for some party or gathering of people. They might have been used on the occasions of weddings or other situations. Symbols, it says, loud crashing symbols. Symbols were used by the Levites in corporate worship when bringing the ark of God back to Jerusalem in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 5. These instruments encapsulate, and this is fascinating to me that it's the last psalm in the whole entire Psalter, and this is the main body of things, and it's really as if the, these last psalms, they're all about praising the Lord, but then the, the psalmist says, praise the Lord and praise Him. You know, we see instruments. He's telling them, praise Him in all these different situations in your life. Give hallelujah in all these different situations in life. These instruments encapsulate those situations and events in the life of Israel and point to this great fact. We need to praise God with everything we have because our words aren't enough. Because our words are not enough, we are to use His words. We're to read the Word. In order to hallelujah, we are to read the Word. We are to pray the Word. Sing the word, preach the word, and see the word. We should praise God in this way everywhere that he is sovereign, which is everywhere. Hallelujah at your job. Hallelujah at your home. Hallelujah when you rise up and lie down and walk by the way. Hallelujah in your kitchen. Hallelujah in the church kitchen. Hallelujah in this sanctuary when we come together. Hallelujah in the sanctuary of your prayer closet. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let everything that has breath, hallelujah. Hey, you have breath. I have breath. How might your outlook be different in 2022 if in all things good and bad, you just adopt this habit? Trust in Him and pause and say to the Lord from the bottom of your heart and depths of your soul, hallelujah. Let's practice. Ready? I'm going to say some things and when I point to you, you say hallelujah. Ready? Here we go. Wake up. If you get good news from the doctor... If you get bad news from the doctor, if you get a raise, if you get fired, 
If God saves your child, if God allows your child to stay in rebellion, when you win, when you lose, when you feast, louder, when you fast, when we welcome new babies because we're going to, when we gather in this room facing death's cold wave and weeping together at the loss of a brother or sister in Christ. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, time is marching on. We know not what he has in store for us this coming year, but let me tell you what my plan is for 2022. Maybe you'll join me. I don't make resolutions. This is my only resolution. No matter what comes, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He has provided a good salvation, and those of us in Christ will work it out with fear and trembling, all the while saying, Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wrote a poem a couple of years ago. Um, it was a poem that I wrote. It was very early in the morning, and um, it was on New Year's Day. And I was just reflecting on the goodness of God in my life, praising Him for my church family, and uh, thinking about all the years past events. <clears throat> and I wrote this poem. I want to share it with you today. I shared it with some of you then, and I'll share it with all of you now. I don't remember if I've shared it with everybody before, but it's changed a little bit, so I'll share it again. And then we'll pray. It says, What a difference one year can bring. Wherever old laid down, new life springs. Each set of eyes a little older, each of your souls a little bolder. Passing years filled with uncertainty and strife, but from what I see, from where I sit, ashes spring forth life. Our God is the God of second chances. We fail, He forgives without second glances. By His grace, failures lay one low. By this, He beckons us. Grow, child, grow. Let's walk together. Excuse me. Let's walk with each other, you and me. And a year from now, more clearly we'll see. There is far better to come than what has been. It bears repeating, so I'll say it again. When the kingdom comes and the power of his might, we will sup together through endless delight. We dwell with him, we will dwell with him then as he dwells with us now, through an old bloody cross and a thorn on his brow. Lift your head, weary one. Embrace this new year. Let it always remind you have nothing to fear. Jesus holds you in his hand. You have no reason to hide. Your Savior, your Master, commands when in tide. This year will be better than the one that just passed, for you move ever closer to life ever last. Pilgrim, take one last hard glare at where your feet just trod, then turn your gaze forward and declare, Hallelujah, my future rests with God. Let's pray. Lord, we are a people of great need, so much need that there is no way I could possibly give voice to just the prayers of this church, just the prayers of these people. But the few that come to my mind are the sick. There is a lot of flu and a lot of COVID going around. We pray that you would fortify our bodies, help us to have self-control in the things that we eat, what we put into our bodies, so that we might be healthy and well. 
I pray for that wellness. I pray for Jimmy Goodwin, who is in the ICU and just not doing well. I lift up his, his son, Sean, and his wife, Judy, and their family. Lord, I'm thankful that Angela Delancey is here today and running our media for us after her back surgery. That is a prayer answered from you. Hallelujah. Many brothers and sisters are missing from our assembly today because of Christmas traveling, so we pray that you preserve them in their travels. Thank you for the Christmas season we had, for last Sunday and all of its festivities, for giving us this yearly reminder that you are with us, you came to us, and you died for us. I pray for the brothers and sisters of Cornerstone Church, even now, in Newburgh, who at this very hour are assembling for corporate worship for the last time today. I thank you for the gospel ministry of that church and the lives that it's impacted. I pray for Pastor John DeVito, who will be preaching to us in a couple weeks. And these and many more things I lift up to you now, and I praise your name, and I declare hallelujah to you, Lord. Aid us in 2022 at being a people after your own heart. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, stand with me now.